What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Beyond the Dance Floor. This is Gina. Hey, if this is your first time joining us on the podcast, welcome. My name is Gina Driven. I am happy that you are checking us out. And today is a special day because what? Why? It's my birthday. Yes, yes, yes. I am super excited. I don't... Um, make fuss about a lot of things in life. Matter of fact, the only thing that I really fuss about in life is my birthday. Um, I try to celebrate all year, I mean all month long, and then um, I just, I give myself the opportunity to do that just because, uh, yeah, I'm usually serving others um, throughout the rest of my life. So this is the one time that I give myself permission to make it all about me. Um, and I don't expect that from anybody else. It's just that it's, hey, Gina, go do what you need to do for you. Go get your nails done if you want to get your nails done. Go get your hair done if you want to get your hair done. Get the pictures done if you want to get the pictures done. I don't require anything of anyone. I require it of me. So, yes. And um, to everyone that has reached out and called and sent text messages and what have you, thank you so much. I love y'all and I appreciate you. Um, so yeah, we're going to dive into this thing here today. I'm hoping it's not going to be super long, um, but today's going to be just a little bit of my story. So here we go. Often we have heard the phrase, it takes a village. And I recently completed the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. The full title of the book is called um, <clears throat> Outliers, the Story of Success. Excuse me. This book is wildly known for the 10,000 hour rule, basically saying in order to become an expert in anything, you must practice for at least 10,000 hours. This book has opened my mind and challenged my thought process in such a unique way. Um, on the other hand, it has greatly in, uh, it's greatly proved something I have known all along, which is um, my whole life growing up, I have heard that it takes a village to raise a child. And the, as I grew older and began my journey as an entrepreneur, I started saying that it takes a village to raise a Gina because, um, and any entrepreneur that's been in the game for any amount of time will tell you this, we don't do it by ourselves. There's always people around us that help support um, and drive the vision. So it's never just a one person show. <clears throat> um, Malcolm Gladwell puts it this way. It's not about the tree. It's about the forest. You see, in this book, he challenges an age-old mindset, um, the American dream, the rags-to-riches story that just about every successful person seems to have. As I read through this book, which um, I got the opportunity to teach, not just read the book, but I got to teach it um, at the Elevate um, Leadership Institute in Frisco, which was amazing. It was a trimester. We did 10 weeks. And... Um, this book challenged my thought process in such a unique way. And um, like I mentioned before, it's, with creatives especially, I think it's easy for us to see the tree, which is the person, right? And we miss the forest. So as I was reading this book, I had to be really honest with myself. 
no one makes it out here by themselves. It, we, when we tell our stories, we tell it in such a way that makes it seem like, you know, it's just the one person just striving and working and doing all this stuff. But if we dig just a little bit deeper, um, we'll very quickly discover that everyone has someone or something that not just says yes, but maybe opens the door that starts, you know, the road for them to grow and be who they are right now. And not to mention our backgrounds and our parents, our history, all of that plays a part in who we are today. And yes, even in the opportunities that we've had presented to us, you know, some people may have had parents that were fortunate enough to um, let them take lessons in dance at a very young age. I've met a lot of people in my life who you know, would tell me my parents didn't put me in dance when I um, when I was younger and I really wanted to dance. So now that I'm old enough and I can afford it, I'm going to do it for myself. Some of us, you know, that's our story. And um, by the way, if you're still listening, awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Um, this is not going to be a book report, I promise. Rather, this is um, my story <laughs> of how a little girl from the south of Cameroon ended up in Texas running a handful of businesses for fun. It's going to be great. My mom and dad are both um, uber creatives, if you will. They are no longer married, but their legacy is hella strong. My dad is an architect and a scholar, and my mom is an educator who just appears to be an amazing pastry chef and just an all-around badass in the kitchen. Listen, thanks to my mom, I cannot eat anyone's cooking. Like, I can't, not anyone, I can't eat everyone's cooking. Um, Now, I'm not a food snob, but if the food doesn't taste good, you will know because I'll make a face or something. (laughs) I'll just get real quiet. And if it doesn't taste good, I'm not eating it. Uh Uh-uh, nope. Not doing it. Uh, The first uh, house I ever designed with my dad was a church. Um, As an architect, he challenged me to design my first house, and that's what I did. I designed a church. My love for God and his house is not just who I am or how I was raised. It is also my cultural legacy. Growing up, um, if the church doors were open, we were there. My mom, my grandma made sure we were in the choir. We were in every youth group, everything that we could, they could get us in, we were in it. Um, I also went to an all-girl Baptist missionary boarding school where religion was an actual class with a final exam that would make you think you were getting ready for a life, you know, in ministry. Or oh, wait, <laughs> I am in ministry right now. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Um, You see, both my parents had their own businesses when we were growing up. So already as a young girl, I knew owning a business was really the only way to go and the only way to be. Everyone knew who my parents were, so I couldn't really get away with anything. If I was acting up at a friend's house, my parents heard about it, and I got a whooping when I got home. Um, If my friend's parents were close enough to my parents, they'd whoop me and then send me home where I would get another whooping. Yep. mm -hmm. So this structure of behaving and um, following the rules that didn't just happen, you know, like yesterday, like this has been over time, this has been engraved in me. We follow the rules, we listen, you know, we're proper, we respect our elders and all of that. 
Um, so who gave me my first opportunity as a creative? I started thinking to myself and it dawned on me and I believe it's my mom and I may have been about 12 or 13 years old when she basically gave me the freedom to not only create a play for the women's center that she ran, but I was given casting freedom as well. I wrote the play, I picked the songs, I rallied the students, rallied the students rather, and I did the, you know, the, the casting call and I rehearsed everyone and I directed the presentation um, for guests that came to the school to visit my mom, her friends, all of it. And um, if you rewind just a few years earlier, um, I was the one in, you know, in the front yard gathering all the neighborhood kids, um, telling everyone what part to play. And um, yeah, that was me. And what games to play. If we were playing house, I'm like, you're the mom, you're the dad, you're doing this. So we're not new to this. Creating things, putting things together, this is something that I've been allowed to do my whole life, and I am so grateful for that. Um, and if you don't, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Well, that's not my story," I urge you to look at your story. Where in your life were you allowed to do something that you were passionate about, and how did you allow that to shape where you are today? Malcolm Gladwell suggests that not everyone is given equal opportunities, and if we all were given equal opportunities, well, life would be a little different, hopefully for the better. While everyone is not given equal opportunities, everyone is given an opportunity nonetheless at some point in their life. Now, whether you are in a place to recognize this opportunity is up to you, and what you choose to do with those opportunities when they do present themselves is also up to you. Moving into timing is everything. Um, I talked about this a little bit in episode two and well, about me being ready to start a certain venture and the timing wasn't right. And there was an absolute need for it at the time, but my timing was off. Once the right time came, it had no problem taking off. I started the business and everything was good. Now, that doesn't mean that I stopped working. Absolutely not. I just said, everyone gets opportunities. It just matters what you do with it. You see, just because the timing was off doesn't mean I sat on my hands and did nothing. One thing I learned from my parents and my amazing upbringing in Cameroon is to work hard for everything that I believe. So while it was not the right time, I was still sure that this need had to be filled, so I kept working 10,000 hours. I kept doing what I had to do behind the scenes moving forward, um, which takes me into um, one of the main concepts or the main um, theories in the book of the 10,000 hour rule. Now, this infamous 10,000 hour rule, I hope by now you're seeing how all this kind of ties in together, even though I'm kind of giving you snippets here and there. I wish I could dive into my whole story, but dear Lord, we would be here for hours. Um, this is absolutely not even one-tenth of the Gina-driven story. I mean, Gina-driven is not even like my legit real name. That's not what my mom birthed me with. Most of you know, um, know that if you, you know, if we've kind of cross paths or even on social media I think I put my, my you know my real name out there um but this you know again this will be an, a whole hour episode so we're just not gonna worry about it hopefully one day I'll write a book and uh yeah we'll just put that out there too anyway back to the 10,000 hour rule I have been dancing for so long that it's second nature to me and how did this all start up 
I started with West African tribal dances back home. Actually, wait, no. When I say West African tribal dances, it's not what you guys know today as Afrofusion and whatnot. I'm talking about the real traditional dances of the people. Um, African music and dance has evolved so much in the last two decades. It's like, it's totally insane. Um, way back when, when I was about seven or eight years old, um, learning to drum for my Ghanaian teacher, that's when my, like, I don't want to say my love for dance because I honestly, my mom would tell you I came out of the womb dancing, but um, that's when it started to shape up for me, really. And um, as I grew up and then I went, um, maybe I was about maybe 11 or 12 years old, I started learning um, other tribal uh, dances. And keep in mind, Cameroon has over 150 different tribes, each one with its own language, culture, and yes, you guessed it, dance moves that are unique to its people. By the time I got to the United States, movement and rhythm were a part of who I was. Not to mention my dad played piano and guitar. It's not about the tree. It's about the forest. I was, I've was i been surrounded with movement and rhythm and music for my whole entire life. It's the reason why um, I can... My sisters and my mom, they make fun of me when we're sitting here and like it could be completely quiet in the house and I just start moving and dancing and she's looked at me several times and gone, are you dancing to silence? Like there's nothing happening right now. What are you doing? There's no music playing, the TV isn't on. I'm like, but the beat is in my head. That's, you know what I mean? Like I've got to move, I've got to get it out. It's so weird. But dancers, I know you guys get it. Um... This tree has had her fair share of opportunities and a very fertile soil that laid the foundation for her to reach for the stars. I really have. Um, and I know this is not everybody's story, but I've had to dig a little deep to find where, you know, not just where my passion is coming from, but also where um, these opportunities have come from along, um, along the way. Where you're from, your upbringing, your ancestors, all plays a huge part in who you are. Why do you think 23andMe exists? One day you find yourself doing something and you wonder why the heck you're doing that. Or you start noticing certain traits or you get sick, you know, um, that drives you to seek out your background. I never had to wonder much about certain behaviors. Cultural legacies are huge. You know, my love for cooking and great tasting food comes from my mom. My love for design and arts, I believe, is my dad. My fight and never give up spirit, well, that's pretty much my whole entire family. Um, this is just who we are. We don't give up easily. Um, weird fun fact about cultural legacies. <laughs> I grew up knowing that you do not stare people in the eyes. Like when we're, like if you've ever had a conversation with me, I'm probably looking away. That's just how I am. Because in my culture, that's considered to be rude. Now, <laughs> when I got to America, <laughs> if you don't look someone right in the eyes when you're talking to them, that's considered being rude. What? It's so weird. So I grew up in a culture with a very high power distance index. Look it up. Which means rank and authority play a huge factor in my communication. You will probably never see or hear me speak rudely or dis be disrespectful to my boss or anyone that is older than me. That's not how we do it. We are taught 
we are raised to understand to have respect for our elders and respect for everyone. That is just how it is, okay, where we come from. Um, Malcolm Gladwell talks about meaningful work, which is the relationship between effort and reward. This is something that I was taught also very early on in life. It is a reason why I will empty out my savings to start a business and watch it grow from nothing. Well, from ideation into a full, you know, a theater full of people and that feeling of looking back into the theater and seeing it full or see the, the people screaming and excited um, for what's happening on the stage. That's the meaningful work piece. Um, meaningful work is the reason so many of us today will take a pay cut just to see a young dancer get it or we choreograph a routine for way less than you know you're worth and you will still go above and beyond. Why? Because the reward is ever so worth every bit of effort. Meaningful work. And that drives me, that fuels me. That to create something from nothing and see it grow and stand back and watch it and go. It's not a pride thing, really. It's fulfilling to sit back and go, I did that. I created that. And that's meaningful work. Look it up. If you, if you um, want to get a little bit more insight on that. Now, the word legacy carries so much weight in my life. I remember a time when I would say I never wanted to raise children the way I was raised because I, I thought it was just such a strong way to raise a kid or, in other words, harsh. Now? No, no, no. I cannot wait to have children so I can raise them exactly how I was raised. The woman I am today is in great part to the chiseling and molding of my mom, my dad, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, Sacred Baptist College, um, Carl Steen Memorial School, all of it. The reason I can endure hard times today is part of my cultural legacy, and I would not trade it for anything. My parents may not have been intentional about every single legacy that they they are leaving for me or have left for me, but that does not negate the fact that there are still legacies and great ones at that. Now, there are some legacies that I am working to change and improve for my future and where I would you know what I would like to see happen for my future family. Um, living out, not leaving it, but living out my legacy is the reason why this podcast exists. It is also why I started a dance convention and named it Legacy. Not every legacy left to you is good, but at the end of the day, you have the choice to choose which legacy you carry on and which ones you can change. It's always your choice. The opportunities you take, the amount of um, hours you put into something to become an expert in it, whether you choose to do meaningful work or not, whether you choose to grab a legacy or create a new one, it's completely up to you. You guys, this is really a snippet of my story. And I feel like I, you know, I'm, I was trying not to make it a very long episode. I just kind of um, went through some of the um, important life lessons and theories in Gladwell's book, which I'll just recap them for you um, super fast. Um, those theories and um, hold on, I'm going through my um, my little note here that I wrote down for y'all. Um, he talks about timing. Um, he also talks about opportunities. 
He talks about the 10,000 hour rule and how upbringing drives our behavior, meaningful work, and legacy. Those are some of the key points from this book that really just had my mind just moving and shifting in such a unique way. So anyway, I tell you all these things to say this. We all start somewhere. We all have opportunities. Yes, some get more opportunities than others, but at the end of the day, we choose what opportunities we would like to take. We decide how much effort we want to put into anything. We decide where to invest our 10,000 hours to become an expert. We decide which tradition, um, traditions from our upbringing we would like to continue or change. Each of us is a tree in a very large forest, and if we allow the forest around us to help us grow, there will be a lot of oak trees. By the way, the symbol for an oak tree is strength, morale, resistance, and knowledge. And I really hope that inspires you. Take your opportunities any chance you get. You never know when it will um, be the last one or you never know when it will be the opportunity that changes your life for the better. If the only opportunity you have is to practice something you love, then practice it like your life depended on it. Get those 10,000 hours, become an expert at it, and then charge for it, okay? Um, I'm pretty sure when, if I go back and document my my life in, in from Cameroon up until I got here, I'm pretty sure I got my 10,000 hours by the time I was done with high school. And it allowed me to be able to create dance and movement and make it a job like I said get them hours and charge for it okay and don't feel bad about it either so anyway if you like to read get this book and read it if you don't like to read I say get this book and read it um, but either way be honest with yourself when you're reading it let it challenge your thought process let it push you um, to to think about your journey, your life, where, you know, you may discover some missed opportunities. I, I think I have. And um, I don't feel bad about it because I feel like I'm still okay. But it just opened my eyes now. I know if I see an opportunity because we're all going to, I mean, I don't think you ever really stop getting opportunities and you can go seek them out as well. You certainly can. Um, so just, you know, open up your mind and be challenged. And so anyway, I love y'all so much. And hopefully everybody has a wonderful week. And if you are not having a good week so far, you can change it. You have the power to do that. And I hope that some great opportunities come your way this week, this month, that hopefully will change the trajectory of your life. I'm believing that for everybody. I love y'all so much. And I hope everyone has a great week. Catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.